Okay, hello, <laughs> this is Clem Bianchi. I'm a courier delivering mail in space, one package at a time. If you're hearing this message, I need some help. I'm trying to deliver a package to a guy on Pluto. Says his name is Gorge Flummox. If anyone knows a Gorge Flummox on Pluto, please let him know I've been trying to reach him about his box of Lunarian cheese. I know the box is full of cheese because for the last few weeks, I've started hearing things when I touch my cargo. When I pick up a letter or a package, I hear conversations and sometimes even see things tied to whoever the mail is for or from. I call it the letter opener. It's yanked me into some real situations. A haunted house, a pizza delivery drag race, and even a revolution to take a city back from the bigwigs who keep its hoverboard sports engine humming. You can hear all about it on Additional Postage Required, a bi-weekly audio drama on the Moonshot Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, if you know Gorge, please tell him to give me a call. I think his cheese is starting to move around in the box. everybody and welcome back to another episode of unwise girls i'm your host jacqueline and i'm the host jane and we're your favorite podcast all about the books of rick riordan today we're continuing the hammer of thor how are you doing today jane uh i'm doing pretty good i've i've finished up uh, a gumpler project that i guess i've been working on uh, on uh, on and off again for like two years now what which is uh the real grade zaku Oh. Which is, it was the second Gumpla kit I ever bought, and it was so terrible that it almost put me off the hobby forever. Oh my god. Uh, but I have, like, slowly over the years just, like, periodically taken out of the box, I threw it in, and been, like, touching it up a little bit, fixing some details, etc. Uh, and finally, recently, I just, like, bit the bullet and put a bunch of waterslide decals on it to make it look really good, even if it's still a structurally unstable piece of shit. Jane, you're nothing if not dedicated to a project, and I, I certainly <laughs> would know that. Um, <laughs> this, this, I, I, you know, I, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you got this done. Uh, make sure not to breathe in its general direction. Um, oh, absolutely not. Partly just, because it would fall apart, and also because I used um, uh, a spray top coat for the first time when putting the decals on, and that shit uh, will, that's got so much aerosol in it. You, you don't you generally get extremely hot box if you use that inside. Yeah, did you use it inside? I did not. Okay, I'm not a cop. You can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. How are you, Jacqueline? I'm good. I've been getting back into Minecraft. Um, <laughs> I I haven't played Minecraft in years, really. Like not seriously. Uh, on my old computer, I would boot it up like once every year and see if it would work. And I would walk around for a minute and, you know, be going through incredible lag hell. Um, and mm. then I would turn it off for another year. And now I've got this brand spanking new computer. Not really brand spanking new, you know, new to me. And it just, it runs like a dream. All I have to do is, you know, set the render distance to zero. You know, turn <laughs> off all the clouds and effects. Uh, turn the graphic details down to shit. And it runs perfectly. It feels like a. It's like I've 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 upgraded. You know what I mean? You want to tell the audience why you've been playing Minecraft again? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just fine. Um, uh, I've been. Listen, 
I was I was 13, 14, 15. My fa- my favorite YouTuber Ethos Lab. He built he built you know really cool things, put them on YouTube in Minecraft, and you know he built like a like a Tamagotchi that was in Minecraft. Ooh. I thought was that that was really cool. That like worked off redstone. Um, you know, really fun builds. And turns out he's still doing stuff, and so are some of the other ones who are in that same group that I watched back then. And so I've been watching. I've been watching Minecraft YouTube. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm revlogging fan art. I'm 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 reading the fan fiction. I'm not doing that. Uh-huh. But I'm, anyway, we don't have to talk about that. Uh, so <laughs> what we should talk about is Rick Riordan's fan fiction. His fan fiction about Norse mythology and also a couple of historical figures, some of whom. Uh, questionable inclusions at best. <laughs> uh, hit me with those summaries, Jane. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Chapter 6. Love me some weasel soup. Magnus and TJ arrive at combat training, joining Mallory and Halfborn, as well as their newest hallmate, who has finally been captured, stuffed in a burlap sack, and delivered to them by one of Odin's ravens. After some animal shape-shifting, where TJ threatens to shoot their new comrade in order to make weasel soup, we finally see a human form. Mallory refers to this newcomer, Alex Fierro, as a guy, and is swiftly corrected by Alex that unless and until she says otherwise, her pronouns are she and her. Magnus gives her a weird look, recognising her from somewhere else, but he can't quite pin down from where. There's no time to dwell on this, however, as the battlefield is now lousy with lindworms, Norse zombie dragons. The Einherjar head into battle. Chapter 7. Have you or someone you love ever suffered from lindworms? Magnus is assigned to keep an eye on Alex after her earlier antics. And here we see why he was giving Alex a weird look. He recognises her from a youth centre he hit up a few times while he was homeless. Alex is determined for their shared experience of marginalisation to not be a bonding moment between them, especially because you can tell Magnus is trying to skirt around the fact that he finds her attractive. The awkward situation is thankfully ended when a lindworm attacks the group. Unfortunately, Alex quickly identifies the lindworm as not one of the generic practice dummy dragons, but as Grimwolf, an exceptionally powerful lindworm that seems to have been sent here by Loki for her. The group scatters, and Magnus ends up getting himself bitten by the lindworm and doused in acid. Right as he's dealing with that, he gets a magic Skype call from Loki, who is torturing Uncle Randolph and using his blood connection to drag Magnus' spirit to him for a chat. Magnus has to cope with dying of lindworm, and also shares the torture that Randolph is currently experiencing as Loki starts monologuing at him. Chapter 8 I am saved from certain death by being killed. Loki is wearing a hideously garish tuxedo, and explains to Magnus that he's getting ready for a formal event. In five days, he's going to marry off Samira to someone in exchange for getting Thor's hammer back, in order to prevent a Jotun invasion of Midgard and the end of the world, etc. Uh, Magnus is going to be responsible for securing both Sam and a dowry and bringing both to the ceremony, and Magnus Magnus realises that this is what Sam seems to have freaked out about when he met her earlier. Loki also tells Magnus that Alex is not invited to the wedding because she'll fuck everything up. Mission given, he starts inflating Magnus big and large with magical energy, but before his physical body can pop and vaporise everyone around him in Valhalla, Alex cuts off the connection and Magnus's head in one fell swoop. Chapter 9. Never take a bubble bath with a decapitated god. Because he's dead, it's Magnus dream time. He gets a flashback of Uncle Randolph's arrogant and fateful voyage with his family to look for the Sword of Summer, which ended with all of them except him fucking dying. He also notes that Randolph's older daughter, Emma, is wearing a return rune, which listeners might recognise from being one of the more famous co-opted Nazi runes, 
I say that not because that comes up in the story, just that's where I recognize it from and I'm trying to give you a mental image of what it looks like. The dream shifts and now Magnus's decapitated head is floating in a bath with Mimir, who is telling Blitz and Hearth that they need to bail from his safe house and go to help Magnus. Blitz is down to do this, but Hearth is worried about keeping the dwarf safe. Another shift and now Magnus's head is floating in a pickle jar in what seems to be a Jotun bar. A king, Thrymmer, is arguing with his sister, Thringa, about how fast they want to move on using Mjolnir to fuck up the Nine Realms. Thringa wants to attack now, but Thrymmer wants to wait until a certain alliance is sealed by his taking Sam's hand in marriage. Magnus finally wakes up in his bed, resurrected. He mulls over everything he saw in his dreams, then realises he's late for the nightly feast and goes there to consult with his fellow Einherji. Chapter 10, The Most Awkward Viking Luau Ever the feast that evening is Hawaiian luau themed, which Magnus notes seems extremely tacky, bordering on cultural appropriation. He sits with his hallmates, excepting Alex, who's sitting with Sam at the honours table, since she only arrived in Valhalla that day. Magnus fills in everyone about what's going on, and there's some dissent about whether Alex might be an agent of Loki sent to help with his plans. While they're on the topic of Alex, they also have a discussion about the spectrum of gender and sexuality, with TJ and Halfborn offering some historical perspectives on the subject. TJ talks about a Lenape scout who helped his unit during the Civil War who was apparently Two-Spirit, and Halfborn talks about Arga, which he defines as un- quote-unquote unmanly ones in a Norse society, who are not necessarily seen as inherently bad, they just weren't warriors. This framing may be a bit ahistorical, we'll talk about it later. Halfborn also mentions that apparently priests of Frey were very fluid on the whole gender thing, and noticing that Magnus seems to be doing a lot of staring at Alex, suggests that he tried to impress her by getting a dress on and doing some traditional dances. This incredibly awkward conversation is cut short by the Thanes, who announce that it's time to watch Alex her- Alex's heroic deeds that got her into Valhalla. So, Jacqueline, what did you think of the chapters this week? I think Rick Riordan is, like, trying to apologize to us. Like, to us specifically. <laughs> He's like, these two this transgender does, yeah. bitches have been <laughs> leaving scathing reviews of all my second books. Let's let's put some stuff in there that might appeal to them. <laughs> These, these bitches have been making a bit for like three years now out of how uh, at the end of every episode they have to do a reach to see if any characters are not cishet because they're all fucking cishet. So I'm just going to put in a bunch of queer characters to shut them up. I I like these chapters. Good chapters, yeah. Good chapters. I enjoyed them. I, uh, wow. Some weird stuff. We'll talk about it, but overall good. Yeah, yeah. So firstly... Firstly, more important than anything else, uh-huh. I-, I love that Jack just refuses to participate in the practice battles. I love that he's such <laughs> he's he's above it, you know. He's above it all. He's on a date with a spear. I, what's it like to date as a weapon? <laughs> I don't know, Jacqueline. You tell me. You're a bit of a fucking weapon. <laughs> Come on now. Um, <laughs> Oh my god. Sorry, I don't uh, mean that. We're, we're spicy today. We're spicy today. Um, <laughs> I, I I just I I like that he's his own little guy off living, rubbing He has rubbing his own ma- life outside of Magnus. Rubbing metal, you know. <laughs> Sharpening each other, etc. Yeah. Is that What's the relation is there like a sexual relationship between a sword and its sheath? I Considering that the Latin word for, uh, I think this is true, the Latin word for sword was penis and the Latin word for sheath was vagina, possibly. Huh. 
Okay. Anyway, Lenworms. Uh, sleep away. <laughs> I guess we should have waited oh, yeah. to play that. That's where I recognize that fucking word from. Yeah. That wasn't a drag. That was much scarier than a dragon. <laughs> yeah, that was way creepier. Although, Do you think? Uh, I like. I like to imagine. Obviously, this wouldn't happen because this is just a fucking actual play. But I like to imagine Magnus mentions to Annabeth, "Oh yeah, we dealt with some lindworms today," and Annabeth is like, "Fucking hell! How did? You- how are you alive?" <laughs> I do like to imagine that. Actually, that's really good. I go and listen I to our the- sleepway actual play episodes. Please do. Right around episode one hundred, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I the, the all the dragons they're mostly they're mostly just doing dragon things, breathing fire, spitting acid. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I I like that they're linworms. I think that's fun. Um, that's fun. I I also while while we're kind of hovering around the topic of like uh, Rick Ryden apologizing for previous books, uh, I I'm, I am feeling out the shape of where this plot is gonna go, and I feel deeply that there will be an apology for uh, Sea of Monsters specifically all the stuff with Grover and Address. <laughs> I have a feeling, yes. I because like this is so obviously playing off like the the Norse myth of like you know Thor loses his hammer, uh, agrees to like get it back through like uh, marrying off Freya or something to one of the giants, and then Thor just goes there in a dress and fucking murders everyone. And that's obviously what they're setting up Magnus to go and do. Yeah, I, well, I, Magnus is gonna put on the dress by the end of this book, or else. Absolutely. This is what happens in this new woke PC Raiden verse installment. Uh huh. Uh huh. I my big takeaway, apart from that, I hate. I I'm continuing to just hate. Like when it comes to the dynamics of like Hall nineteen, apart from just continuing to kind of hate Halfborn and Mallory's dynamic for being so <laughs> fucking generic. Like oh, they're yeah. bu- they're so bickering. It's man and woman, and they bicker, but they're dating. I. <laughs> it's quite frustrating and you know tj and his little sort of like you know threats of violence against this new hallmate uh i i i quite enjoy our new our new resident yeah you fucking called this you you nailed this last week i nailed this i i i knew this (laughs) oh okay I, i knew there was eventually going to be a uh, like a trans character in one of these things named Alex, and I was like, I think this is probably going to be the character. I actually, uh, I don't actually know how I've managed to avoid hearing about this for so many years, but I genuinely had no idea this was coming. This was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah, a- Alex Fierro is maybe one of the coolest characters Rick Riordan's ever put the page. <laughs> as soon as you you hear about her Gerard Way style green hair. Um, and sort of like queer gestury flair and like mm-hmm. weird toxic coloration I I you get you you know what the deal is Alex is um some some very like frank um some very frank writing from Rick Riordan here just mm-hmm. very like I like all, it's all very direct. He's not skirting around anything. Sometimes to the point of it seeming a little bit like ridiculous. Uh huh. Like everyone talks in very straightforward terms. Like, uh, like, oh, are you transgender? Yes, I am transgender. Like, don't, do you have a problem with transgender people? <laughs> like that style of like, well, this doesn't. This feels a little stilted, but I get the I get the spirit of it. Yeah, it's I. I think you have to make some allowances for like. It's a kids' book, and I think 
probably, if he has a brain between his ears, Rick is aware that like a kid picking this book up might be being introduced to these concepts for the first time. So he's got yes. to kind of lay it out in pretty explicit terms. But I, I truly just love, I don't know, like... I, I, this, this fills my heart with joy. You know, like seeing a trans yeah. character in a Rick Riordan book makes me happy on some childish level. It's just baseline very nice to have this be a character in a book. Yeah, like the bit where, I don't know, Mallory is like, oh, he's got a, and Alex is like, no, you call me she or else I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Like, that's, that, that's. <sighs> We're we're getting the we're also yeah we're we, like I, like I think I sort of guessed that before what Rick Riordan is doing here is sort of transposing the gender fluidness of Loki onto a child of Loki instead. Yeah. Part of what I'm interested in with Alex is there is a specific moment in chapter six where mm-hmm. uh, Magnus says one moment Alex was very obviously a boy the next she was so obviously a girl. Uh, I I want to know what Magnus means by this exactly, because uh, I think there are two My... different things. Uh huh. Sorry, you you finish it. Well, I think there are two different things that could be happening here, and it's a bit like, you know it's not explicitly said either way. I think this could be you know like Alex is using a bit of shape shifting, um, mm-hmm. or otherwise, well, like a, a bit of shape shifting, um, and also like I think my favorite detail there is that like all the colors on her outfit invert like Mm. all all the pinks become greens and the greens become pinks and or or is this like a literal like no appearance change but just sort of like an outward perception shift just like magnus sort of saying like well obviously she's a girl because magnus is hashtag woke magnus (laughs) uh i i my feeling is that it's the first thing just because like this is a child of loki we're dealing with it would if anything be like weird to not incorporate the shape-shifting stuff into into the gender stuff that's going on especially since like we've already had sam establish that this is like standard for a child of loki power set yeah yeah for sure i think the one thing that makes me like interested in this specifically is that in the next chapter um after you know magnus approaches her uh she's like i'm gender fluid and transgender transgender idiot look it up uh and magnus <laughs> is like i fucking know trans people come on um alex <laughs> talks about specifically having the worry of like she's she would never be able to age or change and mm-hmm. that the the worry about never being able to change again like is this because she had access to shape-shifting abilities uh when she was on midgard is this something that she has like unlocked now or 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 is this sort of a thing of like i was hoping to transition i don't know if that can happen when i'm like like i don't know if i can have hormones in valhalla yeah fuck knows what being an i you does to hrt yeah considering... also, I, guess, I guess this interaction retroactively validates uh my assumption that what the fuck was her name there was a character in sort of summer who Magnus mentioned is like, oh yeah, there's a, a lady with a beard that I know. I yeah. I, I put her in one of the not cis hat segments. Says she's probably trans. I guess retroactively that this makes that true. Probably yeah. I mean, there's you know all sorts of reasons. Even cis women can have beards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I I would I would say so. I do like that. I do like that Magnus is Rick's doing a bit of again, you know, knowledge drop for the kids. Like you know, there are 
like of course magnus as a homeless teen is going to encounter other homeless teens who are gay or trans and i you know the it's a it's a bit of just truth inclusion that is good yeah. to put in here when in in the sort of it, mode that he's writing in yeah it's it feels like a nice progression of what we got in um sort of summer where like blitz and hearth are kind of like the very queer coded characters and you can kind of see that as like kind of sidelong commentary on the idea of like queer homelessness but then i, I like that this book we kind of we progress that a little bit and we just come out and say yeah that's that's like a massive problem actually definitely yeah um yeah alex is just mean she's she's like mean and bitter and uh kind of an asshole right like <laughs> and magnus is I fucking do, uh-huh i do i do find her like her instant assumption that magnus was going to be transphobic is like it reminds me of like um carter assuming that percy was racist as soon as he met him <laughs> Now, to be fair, Percy was accidentally a little racist. He just didn't realize it. He was. It's, I don't know. It just recalls that, and I find that very funny. It is funny. Um, but I, I, Magnus's instant like attempt at, at a dynamic here, like, mm-hmm. oh, we were both in the same youth shelter. I should try and like cozy up to her a bit, and obviously being super fucking attracted to her, and probably not realizing it himself. Um, I can't. I can't believe that Magnus has become a certified chaser. <laughs> oh my god! The, the <laughs> prophecy has been fulfilled. Listen, he's he. We there are so many Tumblr boy Magnus moments in these <laughs> in these chapters. You know he was on there. You know you know he had trans friends on Tumblr probably. One hundred percent. I wasn't going to let Fierro off the hook just because she had startling eyes, an impressive sweater vest, and a tendency to hit people. I, I've never been tempted to use the eye emoji in my notes before, but I did have to bust it out for this one. <laughs> um, I think the one thing that could... Do you think Rick Riordan's going to do a thing where it's like Magnus is attracted to her, but only when she's a girl or that kind of thing? I... I want to believe that he won't do that and that we will instead get Magnus having to sort through some complicated feelings about this. I hope so. I hope so. I, I But I, also that could happen. I'm not it's not outside the realm of possibility. There's a hint of it or a hint of something that could lead to that, which is like Magnus talks about how uh he felt that instant attraction to her as soon as he realized like, oh, she's a girl now. Um mm-hmm. and so that this could lead to one like a million different outcomes of course but i for now there's just something about like the main character of our book is into a gender fluid kid that is that's awesome that's just awesome yeah i like this required and thumbs up as a, as a progression from the like mildly transphobic morticia adams drag queen character that we were reading about in last king of texas uh, which is the third Trace Navari novel that we just released a bonus episode on patreon.com slash on wise girls. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see this update. You're going to have to hear it. Unless you go and listen to those episodes, you're going to have to hear me say insane sentences. Like, isn't Randolph a bit of an Aaron Brandon? And you're just going to have to accept that. them. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, anything else to say about Alex? Uh, 
this kind of this kind of dovetails into another character that we'll be talking about. Uh, I find it extremely funny that uh, Loki, master of all evil, guy who is out to destroy the world, as this book figures it, uh, still would not think of misgendering his child. He he has Alex's pronouns on lock. <laughs> You know, you support the Confederates one day and you're a proud ally the next. <laughs> Wait, did Loki support the Confederates? Is that a thing? At one point, uh, TJ explicitly says that he helped Johnny Reb win the first Battle of Bull Run. Huh. How could Loki release an elder Lenormand to Valhalla? How could he help Johnny Reb win the first battle of Bull Run? Loki did what? My point is Loki could do many things. <laughs> Even Magnus is surprised to hear this. Do you think Loki is mates with the Roman gods? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> oh my god. Why? Required. Come on. I Fucking stop so- it, man. <laughs> Stop it. We, we don't need this every single book. One of your gods doesn't always have to have helped the Confederates. We are trying desperately to hand you a W this episode. Stop being weird. Stop batting it away with your giant L we've handed you over and over again. <laughs> Slowly reinforcing it with golds and silvers and such. <laughs> he's never he's never dropping the L, I'm sorry to say. Um, no. <laughs> uh... Yeah, Loki, can I actually say something that's going to sound insane at first, but maybe you'll understand? Go for it. Do you think Rick Riordan setting up a parallel between Alex and Magnus and Loki and Randolph with, uh, like, the way that Randolph, <laughs> like, like, and Magnus, like, body fuse at some point? Like, they phase together? I... I don't think that's where this is going, but I can see how you get to that, that assumption and how it might go that way. <laughs> The way that, like, Randolph is, like, fucking explicitly, like, fin-subbing for Loki. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Loki being a bitch who's like, oh, like, come on. If you don't like these clothes, you should have bought me more and more expensive clothes. Like, get on your knees, pig. Like, very- I I didn't think that was the implication of the price tag being on the clothes at all. I thought that meant that Loki had stolen them. I could have sworn there's a bit- there's a bit in chapter 8 where Loki, uh, let me see, a price tag dangled, it couldn't speak. Uh, no, Loki expression, Loki's expression soured. I told you, Randolph, you should have bought me the canary yellow one, too. <laughs> How the fuck did I miss that? Loki is out here, like, all right, Randolph, 10% of your paycheck, at least, uh, <laughs> You pay for rent, you pay for food, then you pay for me. Randolph, it's 4pm, time to take me shopping to Blitz's wonderful clothing shop again. Yes, dear. Oh my god. And so part of me is like, is this a parallel that's happening? Are Magnus and Alex going to become like a positive like parallel to the negative relationship between Randolph (laughs) and Loki? Like, I don't think Alex is going to be like, Magnus, here to give me your credit card. Actually, I think she would say that. But uh, I think she would say that threateningly, is the thing. Yeah, like, with a, with, a, with, a, with a garret around his neck. Yeah. The fucking wire we- weapons are so cool. She just cuts Magnus's head off. It's awesome. It does fucking rule. Oh, my, I'm sorry. I'm Alex. Alex is such a good character. Um, yeah. And Magnus, speaking of Magnus, I think his brain has been broken by Valhalla officially. In what way? 
Uh, chapter seven starts with, we moved inland, picking our way through a field of corpses, all of whom we could see later alive at dinner time. I could have taken some pretty funny photos. Uh, God, the yeah. That he is now, like, he's immersed in the social scene of the battlefield now. He's thinking about, like, oh, this guy likes to get shot in the head because he thinks it's really funny. This guy likes to get cut in half by a guy taller than, than him. He knows... He's buddies or acquaintances with all these people now. He's become familiar with them through battle. And he's become the type of guy who thinks maybe it'd be funny if I took a picture of my friend's corpse. Yeah, it's like, I, again, I don't know if this is something that the series is going to, like, pick up and maybe, like, make a thing out of. But it does seem to be, like, in real time showing why this combat training is completely ineffective, right? Yeah. Like... Magnus is learning that the lives of himself and the people around him don't matter in combat. Yeah, that almost gets him fucking killed here because a non-Valhalla... I mean, he probably he, he would have still revived, but it gets him in pretty s- severe trouble because he almost just throws himself into the way of this really bad dragon. Mm-hmm. And then gets exploded by Loki. And, well, no, he doesn't get exploded by Loki almost because Alex cuts, Alex cuts his hat off. <laughs> what now, Loki's plan? Uh huh. Is apparently apparently Loki's dishing out the quest in this book, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Which is fucking Magnus has to bring Sam to a wedding, uh, and they will trade her and a dowry uh, for the for Mjolnir, which I think is like. I was initially a little bit skeeved out by this plot development, just because, like, in Sword of Summer, one of the things that I think we both really liked about uh, Sam as a character is that a lot of, um, like, what she has going on with Amir is, like, very explicitly a kind of rejection of, like, the incredibly racist framing of, like, how marriages often go in Muslim communities. And so I was was initially a little bit, I'm not sure about, like, putting putting Sam back into the position of being like the woman who is being bartered for political favors when that is like something that in so much like kind of shitty racist media about Muslim people that's what happens to Muslim women on the other hand I if you chose to read it sympathetically I guess what you could say is that like showing that Sam's like the Muslim members of her family are like chill and are not doing this the person who's doing this is like her Norse god dad and you could argue that that's maybe like showing that like these kind of ex- these kind of extremely aggressive practices do happen, but they are absolutely not exclusive to Muslims. They happen in like a lot of what we think of as Western cultures as well. And I don't know, that that might that might be where this is going. I'm not sure. There's there's potential for this to go badly wrong. I think. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I I, I get your concerns, but I think I I do probably lean for the more sympathetic reading where I think yeah. this is like. Rick is what have we gotten from Sam so far she is kind of being like pressed from like pulled from a million different angles already she's Mm -hmm. being really and she's talked about how Loki is trying to like ruin her personal life I wonder if that has anything to do with that right like I assume that is just him trying to marry her off right because like her personal life is pretty fucked if that happens because she has to break things off with the guy she's engaged to yeah, but specifically she talks about, like, how she has to, like, explain it to her parents and, like, settle things down mm. there. And so I wonder... Or not her parents, sorry, her grandparents. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder how that's being framed to them, what they're hearing. I think this is ultimately, like... 
the character who is being like overrun by responsibility is being is like Loki is trying to turn her into nothing but like an object, right? Yeah, and that is that is. I don't know. I well, we will see. We will see. Um, I when it, his plan, other than that, like, do you think he's my? The Loki's specific position in the plan is also interesting because he's not the one who has the hammer. No. Uh, it's uh, Thrig. Let me check the name. Is it Thrig? Um, Thringla? It's... It's Thrym. Yeah, it's Thrym and Thringa. Um, yeah. Th- Thrym, who's like a giant bar owner and also probably... Not, not for sure, but probably an ancient earth king giant uh although it is a pretty common name we learn um Mm -hmm. is the one who has the hammer he doesn't really know what to do with it he's like ah maybe i'll gather some folks up and go destroy midgard maybe not i don't know uh (laughs) you know his his bitch sister is you know nagging him all the time to go do that (laughs) and loki is like acting as a middleman sort of manipulating Thrym and Thuringa kind of and also manipulating Magnus at the same time it's it's a position where like if this was simpler it would just be like I don't know it it feels like Loki could still have some great I maybe this is just me trying to build up to something where I'm saying I don't know maybe Loki's not the ultimate villain still somehow that would be nice. I hope it'd be nice if this series took kind of like a swerve, like Kane Chronicles did with Set, and he kind of becomes more of an ambiguous character as we go. We do kind of have like in, in built in like the little exposition dumps that Magnus gets. We get like the two angles that Loki is currently working, which is the plan that he's pitching to Magnus is, you know, help me out, get Sam married off to this guy. We'll get the hammer back and prevent the Jotuns from destroying Midgard. And clearly, I think the plan that he's pitched the Jotuns on is, hey, uh, uh, if I uh, marry you to my daughter and you give me the hammer, I'll help you fucking destroy Midgard. Yeah. So I, I suspect that his actual agenda is neither of those. Yes, he's he's not an agent either. He's, he's his own free chaos agent. He's the Joker. <laughs> yeah, I just wish... I just wish we had a bit more complexity from Loki in the general sense, because I feel like I don't have a lot of faith in this to go to a particularly interesting or complex place, considering how what pains the end of Sword of Summer went to, to just fucking iron out any ambiguity about his character. I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I, I have hope, but I don't know why I have hope. <laughs> Uh, this isn't and this isn't an alex fierro thing where i'm like oh i have hope wink wink and then i it turns out it's because i read like loki alignment good on the wiki one time um (laughs) i i just feel like but then again maybe rick decided and i've already had that happen once with set we don't need to have it happen again he can just be evil yeah possible what if loki and alex bond over gender stuff that'd be neat that'd be neat um that being said, they don't seem to get along, despite Loki's respect for her pronouns. No. <laughs> you know, 
what the I I you know uh what I think it was um Leslie Feinberg who said I've had people call me by the wrong pronoun I've had people call me by the wrong pronoun with respect and I've had people call me by the right pronouns with disrespect I think that's what Loki is doing he's calling her by the right pronouns with disrespect <laughs> he he has kind of the vibes of like a shitty dad who lost a custody battle a couple of years ago trying to show how like much he's improved since then yeah <laughs> yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh see i i know my kids pronouns i it's she right now right frantically checking the the order of the colors on the sweater <laughs> oh i do love her wardrobe her ridiculous fucking <laughs> stupid wardrobe oh my god um randolph we, we see his 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 dream we see his tragedy we see his aaron brandon moment yeah, the, the the way that his wife looks at him with the, like, what the fuck have you done? You've dragged us into this mess is so, like, Inez Brandon. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, um, he, what he's done here, we get to see, he told Magnus briefly about this. Like, how he, his hubris led to his family dying when he went out to try and receive, receive the Sword of Summer. Mm-hmm. But you get an angle on him here where it really feels like, how could he have known? You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't he, seem like he actually did anything that arrogant. <laughs> yes, like that's supposed. To, I think that's supposed to be the vibe we're getting, right? Like he put his family in harm's way, but he mm-hmm. talks about how he like checked the weather reports. He made sure everything was safe, and also how he like his belief in the Norse gods at this point seems to be like ah, I think they're maybe real, or this is just an artifact or something, but. I I mostly just want to get this to, you know, prove my historical theories. And he certainly mm-hmm. doesn't think that, like, you know, there's a god of the ocean living out three miles west. <laughs> like, he doesn't think that they're working on Midgard in that way. How, how could he know that? Why would he think that? Yeah, it and, does. I don't like Randolph, but it does kind of seem like he's gotten a raw deal. I think we're going, he, I think we're trying, like, supposed to get a more sympathetic read of him off of this, and the part where, like, he's begging Magnus to not listen to, like, Loki, uh, and, which could either be a thing of, like, no, Magnus, don't, like, listen to his trickery, or, uh, no, Magnus, don't listen right now, I'm working with the evil guy, you don't want to hear that. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, we see his, uh His kid's wearing a rune that was co-opted by the Nazis, so maybe she had it coming, who knows? Come on now, she was ten. Um, but that even that, even the rune, which uh, Magnus says, like, is a symbol of like successorship. Like, Ma- like Randolph has given her this to try and like. It's a little bit of that, you know. Oh, good job! One day you could succeed me in what I do. It's it's again yeah. a little bit of his hubris. He's trying to like put his 10 year old daughter on a, on his own life path. And you know, maybe if he doesn't find, maybe if he doesn't find the sword, maybe she will. Meanwhile, we see her and she's like a 10 year old who's just peed herself because she's so afraid of dying. And she does die. She does die. And Magnus notes that she definitely did piss herself, which I think feels like if you're Magnus and you're telling this story, this feels like a bit of an indignity to just kind of pile onto your fucking cousin's death. A little bit. I I I would have left out the smell of urine. (laughs) I probably, <laughs> I, 
There's a lot of little writing here that makes me think that Magnus Wink is a bit of a weak writer. Um, maybe <laughs> he, like maybe Magnus Wink forgot to like have an editor look over, like tighten up some of these sentences. Because, Interesting. Like, it, there's just like. I think Rick Riordan is getting across what he wants to get across with a, with a lot of what's happening in Chapter 9, all the dreams and stuff mm. like that. I actually think these dreams are pretty great. Like, these are so much more inventive and fun than any of the shit that happened in PJO or who, um, which is well, on you Kong just get dropped in invisibly into an exposition scene. Yeah, like Magnus, like, being a teleporting floating head in a pickle jar in a bathtub, <laughs> that's great. Um, but there's little sentences like... Um, I would raise an army of Enheryar, magic elves, and well-dressed dwarves and burn down Jotunheim before I let them coerce my friend. But just, it's a little clunky. Like, there's a part earlier yeah. where, like, talking about, like, Emma, he's like, uh, she had insisted on coming along for Dad's big adventure, his search for a missing Viking sword that would finally prove his theories. Dad would be a hero. Randolph had not been able to refuse her. I there's something that is very stilted I think about Mm -hmm. like he's he wants to get across the tragedy of the way that like uh Emma might feel like complicit in all of this happening uh that read like the the tragedy of like him bringing his family along because like of his daughter insisting and that sort of indulgence leading to their death I, I, I think it doesn't land quite as well because it, I don't it, it's like little turns of phrase that don't quite mesh together. Yeah, sometimes it's just like the, the, the rhythm of a sentence is off in a way that kind of fucks with fucks with the impact of it. Yeah. We do, we do see Hearth and Blitz again though. We do. We just just a little bit, but I this I think indicates that they're gonna be coming back sooner rather than later, which I'm I'm happy to see. Right, we get just a little, a little bit of Hearth, like uh, signing with um, the fuck is his name, the severed head god, Mimir, Mimir, uh, and just being like, I have to look after after this fucking idiot. So you're sending, but you're sending us into danger, like pointing to Blitzen, and it's so fun. I lo- I continue to really like Hearth and Blitz, even from yeah. the like snapshot we get here. Uh, and then he he teleports into a pickle jar in the bar and sees, <laughs> again, Thrym and his bitch sister, Thringa. I turned myself into a pickle, Sam. I'm Pickle Magnus. <laughs> he's Pickle Magnus! <laughs> Funniest shit he's ever seen until his head got smashed into pulp against the bar stool. <laughs> uh, Rick Riordan continues with a not not quite beating the misogyny allegations, I think, with Thringa. This is, this is very... I know they're brother and sister, but the dynamic is very much my bitch wife who won't get off my back. Literally, I, I was mythology, writing- So she could also just be his wife as well. I was writing this down, and I was like, oh, of course, the nagging wife. And then I was like, wait, he, that's that's his sister, and, Mag- and Sam is supposed to be his wife. Um, <laughs> I... What if the reason there was, like, a blonde white woman on the cover of that book is because... Is because I'm getting my I'm getting my uh, conspiracy board out. Thrym doesn't know <laughs> what Sam looks like, so right. Magnus is going to become disguised as you know, quote unquote, Sam to marry Thrym before beating the shit out of him. Uh, this this is my theory. The white blonde woman was Magnus. That all would on. be that would be a great theory if Magnus wasn't also on that cover in the foreground. 
it's two different scenes transposed <laughs> against each other. It's very uh, clearly not. Um, it's it's you know how he like phased into a different scene in these chapters. Maybe that's what will happen. I think they just whitewashed her. I I think the cover artist was just really racist. Oh God. Magnus, uh, after all these dreams, decides that things have become Jack worthy. Which I yes. just think is a, is a turn of phrase that we should sit with for a little while. Oh my god. Um, uh, wait, I need to think of a joke. Um, uh, um, that's what that that's uh, <laughs> that's what Chiron said after um can you help me the problem is that chiron actually can't jack off that's i I think that's why he's so frustrated all the time that's really sad poor guy (laughs) you think how hard you know like (laughs) i don't know if this is staying in you know how like stables will have like fake horse breeding things what? You just like you just like get if you got like a, a stud horse who you want to like sell their semen, you just have basically like a giant flashlight that you like get them to fuck. You think Chiron what? is one of those? <laughs> I guess I, I hope. I don't know what I hope. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that was real. I guess that makes sense that that's real. Well, you gotta sell the semen somehow. Do you think it's like modeled after a famous like like it's like <laughs> modeled after modeled after like a famous Greek uh, myth woman? <laughs> uh, we need we need a Russian mythology series so that one of them could model after Catherine the Great. <laughs> Cultural appropriation, Luau. Scene. We we can't keep on this topic. Magnus saying, still, the Luau seemed a little cul- cultural appropriation to me. Vikings were notorious for appropriating from other cultures, also for pillaging and burning said cultures. Everything really is explained by Magnus being a Tumblr boy. I'm it really is. Sl- slash affectionate, to be clear. I also, uh, also before we move on, I just want to I just want to point out for us and for the audience that they should be proud of us for getting through that entire thing without making a Vosh joke. I don't know. I don't know what that means, Jane. I'm don't worry sorry, about it. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. And then we get a, a new round of Celebrity Inner Eye, which is my new favorite game. Uh, uh, th- yeah, this was a, a fun little selection that we got this week. Yeah, should I, should I talk about some of them, or do you want to? Uh, I, I did a little bit of cursor research on each of them. Uh, okay. I, I, you, can, you can fill in some context that I might be missing as a non-American about these guys, because I think they are all Americans. Mm-hmm, yeah. So we've got uh, Jim Bowie. Uh, the inventor Bowie. of the, uh, the inventor of the Bowie slash Bowie knife, uh, died at the Alamo during the Texas Revolution. Apparently, uh, also apparently a slave owner. <laughs> so, a slave owner specifically like smuggled sl- enslaved people to like sell them for a higher price in a weird like scheme way. Uh, pop yeah, popularized the Bowie knife, inspired David Bowie's stage name. Um, but I guess his name is pronounced Bowie. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this guy must have died with a weapon in his hand. I think this is just a... I don't think anyone else fucking knows who Jim Bowie is. I think this is a Rick Riordan <laughs> is, from, is from Texas Deep Cut, you know? Uh-huh. I, I, I assume that the next guy, Crispus Attucks, doesn't know who this is. Otherwise, he wouldn't be fucking talking to him. Because uh, this is... 
in popular culture is like is widely thought to be like the first guy that got shot during the Boston Massacre at the start of the American Revolution. Uh, also, fun fact: uh, mixed like African and Native American descent, and there's a bit of historical controversy over whether he was an escaped slave. And if he was an escaped slave, I don't think that he would be breaking bread with fucking Jim Bowie. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, specifically, <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, he was uh, probably Wampanoag. Uh, of, of Wampanoag and African heritage. Uh, mm. I guess also even that's like slightly debated for some reason. Uh, the reason he's in Valhalla is because he maybe hit a red coat with a stick or a piece of wood or something when he died. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and, and the last one is Ernie Pyle, who is a World War II war correspondent who uh, fucking ate it during the Battle of Okinawa. I couldn't really find anything it. else about this guy. He, he wrote about the average Joes of the war and then got shot and died. Yep. So, you know, I guess that's fine. I don't know. I What does it mean to be a hero? Like, do you have... Was it ever said that you have to be a, a hero or do you just have to die a heroic death? You just have to die a heroic death with a weapon in your hand. So I guess, like, maybe you can almost call what happened at the alum. I don't really know if I would believe that, but... Uh, <laughs> to be honest i i guess i i'll maybe i'll look into it um anyway odin's not here though and i was honestly expecting him to be here i i definitely was yeah but apparently he's off doing more ted talk jokes i think this is a pleasant surprise because i didn't want odin to show up no the less odin the better the more that odin shows up the more we get the conflict flattened into a strict binary yes um we get some table talk. Uh, TJ talks about how TJ and Halfborn, I think, talk about how giants don't resurrect. So this is another like our giants are different than the giants from the Heroes of Olympus. <laughs> our, ours don't resurrect, except for this guy who almost certainly is a giant who resurrected. Also, Sert. Also, Sert. He did he? I'm pretty sure he did. Okay. Yeah. Or is it, at the very least, I think there's some stuff about how Magnus can't actually kill him. Right, yeah. He has to be in Alaska. To, for no reason, like, not <laughs> for the same reason that the other guy had to be in Alaska. Sir just likes Alaska, and so he has to die in Alaska or can't die. It's just that, like, he's a fire giant and it's very snowy there, so it's, it's easier to kill him. Yeah, yeah. You could um, have to kill him anywhere else that's snowy. God. And then we get sort of just a general repeat, I think, of a lot of the same vibes that were happening in the first, uh, in the sort of summer, where, you know, people truly do be suspecting new arri- arrivals of being sent by Loki. That is something that people will suspect. Yep. People people be suspicious of Sam, despite having repeatedly proven herself at this point. And, and Alex at this point, specifically. Oh, yeah. uh, let's talk about Arger. Arger. Ar- Argery. Yeah. you. So, it sounds like you did some research here. When I say research, I want to clarify, this was very cursory. This was like 10 minutes of like Googling and reading Wikipedia articles. Okay. So if li- listeners, if I've gotten something catastrophically wrong here, please forgive me. Because I, I assume what initiated this was Magnus very plainly asking, does Arger mean transgender person or what? And Halfborn kind of shrugging. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that, as far as I can tell, is not really applicable. 
the 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 best kind of like analog that I can find for what Agra actually means is kind of like how the word minion was thrown around in like ancient Greek cultures, where like you know d- typically in ancient Greece attitudes towards gay people were kind of like you you kind of got a bit of shit if you were like a bottom was basically how it went like because you were seen as kind of unfeminine you but you were seen as feminine and unmanly for taking it up the ass and Arga seems to be basically. Like a similar concept, it just it, in a in a sexual context, it just means the same. Like, oh, you're you're unmanly because uh, another dude fucks you. And that's not really what Halfborn says. Halfborn no. is more saying that Arger is a term that refers to like, basically, like this is a term that refers to what we would consider nowadays trans people uh, in mm-hmm. in Viking times. And that, yeah, like you said, doesn't. I get where Riordan's going for, right? Uh, It's important to emphasize that there have been people who are not of this strict gender binary all throughout history because that too is a fucking invention that is specifically, you know, created for reasons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is is not some, like, perfect, ideal, immaterial, like, um, higher concept that transcends all reality. Uh, TJ goes on to talk about how he had like one of his confederates or bad choice of words, but <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, one of his unions uh, was uh, like a two was uh, a two spirit uh, Lenape, I believe, mm-hmm. um, uh, soldier. And I, I get what required is doing here. I, I get what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know it. It's all it's all a little clumsy, I think. It's a little bit. I again coming at it from the perspective of it's a kids book. I think like introducing in kind of uh, as gently as he can just the the idea into kids' heads of hey the the strict sex gender binary like is not real and plenty of historical cultures have acknowledged that fact. I think is like. Yeah, you you can see what he's going for, but also he's he's kind of tripped over his dick a bit. A little bit, and not like a not he's not like said something horribly offensive. I don't think it's that, just that. Uh, okay, go ahead. That being said, uh, I do actually like I really like one of the beats that we get with Halfborn here, where a couple of other like uh, of his hallmates are kind of squiffy about the term Arga being used to describe Alex. Uh, and one of the things that Halfborn says about that is, oh, well, I don't mean it as a derogatory term. It's only an insulting thing to be called if you are not that already. And I think, like, that's actually, like, when when you're dealing with, like, you know, int- you know, introducing a trans character into your series for the first time, like, the temptation can be to just, like, have one character be, like, incredibly violently, openly transphobic and then have everyone say, that sucks and is wrong. Which is kind of the easy way out, I think. Yeah. I think Rick has kind of gone gone for the hard thing here and given Halfborn a kind of like a shitty but understandable perspective. Where like he is not being pure evil by saying this, he's just being kind of a shithead. And it's something that like I'm I'm hoping that he'll be kind of challenged on as the book goes. To just kind of to demonstrate the like, you know, the people who are bigots with bad opinions are not always the antagonists. Sometimes they're people you like and sometimes they are you and you need to kind of think about that. He even does sort of the classic thing of like, I'm not, you know, bigoted. Think of those people from 50 years ago. Now they were bigoted. 
in a yeah. like a very <laughs> he does do funny that exactly like movie. you're right uh, I, I and all and then at the end Helgi who I think is probably from like 50 years before Halfborn uh does in fact he him Alex so maybe <laughs> maybe this yeah. is a maybe that is like a bit of like maybe people were worse in 700 CE or whatever I guess so the fucking transphobic in here you are from the from 700 years after fucking Jesus died or whatever. <laughs> uh, and again, just like kind of the reemphasis in this chapter of like Magnus has a thing for uh, Alex, and just again the Magnus Chaser thing. I I can't not find that extremely funny. Magnus Chaser is that's the episode title. I think that's that's it right there. <laughs> Jane. I also hate the saw the confirmation that that was in fact Jack being like, "Oh my god, one time this fucking like trans person came up to us. It was so funny." Wait, that is what that was. Fuck. <laughs> oh my god, they're so fun and funny at parties. Well, hang on, but the the only word that Jack heard in that situation was "aga," so maybe he was saying, "Oh yeah, some fucking bottom came up to me at a party." Oh my god. Why does Jack think that bottoms are really fun in that case? Is, is this like a... Is this... Okay, we're talking about, we, about you know, weapon-weapon sex. Is, is weapon-human uh, sex possible? Uh, I'm gonna say yes. I guess it must be. I'm sure people have just done this historically in some way. <laughs> The show is going to turn into fucking Soul Eater at some point. What? I don't know what that means. People are having sex with their weapons in that show. Admittedly, the weapons can turn into people, but... Anyway, that's the book. Uh, fuck, that's the chapters. I have, to keep, oh, I have to stop doing this. I have to stop ending the book early. <laughs> it's because we did an entire book on the bonus show. Uh, I also I have one last note about this chapter. Which is just, uh, I think Ma Magnus is correct when he points out that, like, this weird, tacky, like, luau thing is definitely, like, weird and kind of cultural appropriation. I also think it's extremely funny to have a Rick Ryden character getting very sanctimonious about this when he wrote fucking Kane Chronicles, which is, like, yeah. textbook cultural appropriation, right? <laughs> like, right oh. down to, well, you know, especially in Red Pyramid, like, well, Egyptian culture is important as seen through the American lens. Elvis was the world's greatest magician. <laughs> yeah. Just on the on the one hand, I understand that Rick is no longer writing Kane Chronicles. On the other hand, I'd appreciate some acknowledgement that that's what he was doing. <laughs> he has in fact he he is no longer writing it, but he has in fact written it. It's in that bibliography for the rest of his life, babe. It's uh. He's still getting royalty checks from it presumably. <laughs> Do you think that movie's ever coming out? Absolutely not. Netflix is fucking cooked. There's none of the stuff that they have in development is ever coming out. No, almost certainly not. Maybe with the success of this TV show, though, who knows? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe Disney will just buy the rights. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> All right. Not so sad. Not so sad. Alex. Should we just both say Alex? <laughs> no, I say I'll, 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 you can take Alex if you want. I, I had a different idea if you wanted to go with Alex. 
Uh, I think Alex might be gender fluid and transgender. Idiot. I think that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll take the other obvious one and just say, you know, obviously Magnus. Magnus is... I, I don't know where you would uh, fucking pencil Magnus in on any kind of spectrum at the minute, but I do think, like, the fact that he's showing an interest in Alex is, like, obviously there's going to be some stuff going on with his sexuality there. I think so. I've got to... Hopefully by the end of this, I have enough material to write my little fan fiction where Alex helps Magnus come out as trans. <laughs> That, that that's my secret goal. Uh, maybe that that happens in the books. Maybe that could happen. I, I we would one hundred percent have heard about it if like Magnus also turns out to be trans. That's true. Yeah, no no one in the world. There's no way about that, that that wouldn't have come up. It's especially whenever they're doing the whole like ah Rick Ryan is so much better than J.K. Rowling thing. Which to be fair, he is. But like the there is a transgender protagonist card would be played instantly every single time. No question. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover art is by Vera at insmith underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find that at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. If you want to find us, you can go to Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Instagram, Finstagram. Uh, no. Uh, uh, you, can, you can hop on our uh, Tinder page on... Uh, slash unwise girls <laughs> make sure to swipe right to support us or is it swipe left or swipe right <coughs> it's, it's, you know? it's swipe right also fuck shit I mistimed What's something wrong? I just sneezed I should have done that during the patreon bit <laughs> fuck <laughs> okay <laughs> well we'll see if that stays on um uh, <laughs> uh, where are you I on those websites you can we i've lost it i've lost it i'm sorry i threw you off your groove (laughs) where we talk about we talk on all these websites about uh new episodes coming out uh updates on if we have to delay or some shit uh uh um we do we post visual companions about book covers usually we did that recently if you want to see the funny book covers, you can go to Twitter. And that's it. I don't know. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash girls. I don't care about all the other shit. I just forgot it, I guess. <laughs> uh, you can leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell a friend about us. But mostly, you can go to patreon.com slash girls. Uh, the other stuff's fine, too. I'm sorry. Uh, and for a dollar a month, you can get the Discord or love okay? certified chaser. I'm, I'm doing my best here. Certified Chaser, where uh, you get a Discord roll, and for $3 a month, you get the Discord roll of Midguardian, as well as all of our bonus content. Jane, tell the lovely people about it. Uh, if you want to understand any of the fucking references uh, to people named Brandon that we've been making in this episode, uh, join our Patreon and listen to our newest bonus episode, where we talk about The Last King of Texas, uh, the third of Rick Ryden's Trace Navarre detective novels. Uh, it's really good, and as usual, we draw a bunch of like comparisons between like how his writing went from there to kind of the stuff that uh, we get in the in the Riot and Verse books. Uh, also, if you are a fan of uh, very niche and unpopular, and nobody has ever heard of it before, video game Disco Elysium, uh, that's what we'll be covering for the foreseeable on the bonus show.
So if you'd be interested in that, uh, join up and listen along with us. That's right. And for $5 a month, you get the... I'm, re- I'm recomposed. For $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Isle of Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye. Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Ah. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay, and along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast? Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday.